Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for May 7th, 2017. Uh, well, this is <laughs> Glad you joined us this morning. I was thinking NBA uh, basketball playoffs have started been running for a while now. They play certain rounds and then they slowly get down to the finals and and of course we started to follow the uh, Golden State Warriors being here in California and um, one thing I, I noticed is that you know they have the best shooting uh, backcourt Curry and uh, uh, what's his name <laughs> uh, Splash Brothers they call them these two guards, they they just bomb away from three point range and um, and the Warriors uh, are called Dubs, D U B S, Dubs. You know, I, and I had one great thing about the internet is you could find out everything, right? So I said, what what does that Dubs come from? What does it mean? What's it? Well, it means W or Warriors. Dubs stands for for W. Uh, and um, uh, there's all these terminologies that are specific kind of slang um, and uh, for different specialties, activities, or fields, and uh, it's, uh, it's part of the base knowledge, I guess, you know, in the other fields, maybe if you didn't, if you weren't a specialist, medical terminology or whatever, uh, you wouldn't know exactly what the, uh, they were talking about. So knowing the vocabulary means that you have a, you know, the base knowledge to understand what's going on. And the same, um, so they say, oh, okay, uh, if you listen in the huddle. Or you know you need a translation. Of course, like in football too, they they have their own special terminology. Each team, the way they run, and or if, if you're in a basketball huddle, the guy might say, coach might be saying, okay, you screen and roll, and then the weak side, you better help in the paint. And if you were knowledgeable with uh, basketball terminology, you would know what they're talking about. Huh. And. Um, uh, of course, in uh, academic areas, again, there's a basic vocabulary that uh, one needs to know in order to be informed. And it's the same for religion, too, and same for Buddhism, you know. In Buddhism, of course, uh, ancient Pali was the the Buddhist language. Now we have a word like maybe suchness. Someone say, what kind of word is that? And so learning the vocabulary is part of it. And I thought about this when I was, you know, trying to learn about all the slang. Nah, well, it's not slang. It's maybe slang in the sports world or something. But uh, anyway, I I thought that was very interesting and shows the importance of terminology, language, and so forth. 
Well, I'm on the studio studio uh, screen, and uh, I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse. Her name is Edith Keo, Joyful Son, part of the LM8 group. She lives in Northern California, and uh, I remember so well when they had their induction. And Edie San, are you are you on? No. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, looking for things. Do you like looking for things? I try to remain calm when I can't find my keys or glasses or scissors or scotch tape or the other sock or whatever. I take deep breaths and talk myself into a pseudo calmness by reflecting on a cool, still pond. But faking it doesn't work. I was sure that I had left the thing where I had always put it. But where is it now? It seems that many precious minutes, hours, years have wasted away because I had spent frustrating hours looking for things, such as looking for spelling or grammatical errors when proofreading my essays in English classes or rechecking my answers in math tests, even looking for that last penny in an invoice when doing homework for that bookkeeping class. I worked in a print shop for many years And the silliest proofreading example was on the business stationery letterheads and envelopes. We had printed for a long-time customer. No one, neither the customer, the printer, or myself, ever noticed the error in the words Willow Street, which was part of the business address. The word Willow had three L's in it. One day, someone did see the extra L in Willow, and we all had a good laugh and corrected the spelling. As the years passed, the world of the printing press changed from the old style using metal press plates and soy-based ink to electronic digital printing. Despite the technological advances, there were hidden problems in those early transitional years when letters would get transformed um, I'm sorry, letters would get transformed and the words would come out in gibberish because of the differences in files from one computer to another, for example, Apple and PC. To make sure we printed the customer's material correctly, we asked that they use the PDF files to maintain the integrity of their works. And it was their responsibility to proofread what was in their own files. Now, everyone... Now everyone uses or should use spell check to reduce copy errors. But looking for spelling errors in words still can be tediously stressful when the words are not in English, but in Sanskrit or Latin, for example. Technological inventions, however, cannot replace one's personal practice of mindfulness. For example, I need to be more mindful of what I read One day, not too long ago, about two months, I was sitting uh, in the kitchen eating a sandwich that I had just made. The loaf of rye bread was still on the table, and I glanced on the label, and I couldn't believe what I read. For years, I had misread the name of the bread, thinking it was Oroquit, 
O-R-O-W-H-E-A-T. But on this particular day, I saw the true name of the bread, Oroit, without the H. Good thing I'm not a pharmacist or doctor. One wrong letter in a medicine prescription could mean life or death for a patient. Some years back, I was in the hospital for some tests and was given something which made me feel very sick, and I called the nurse immediately. Someone had given me the wrong medicine, I think, because the doctor acted quickly and gave, but gave me no explanation. I wonder how many things I have seen incorrectly or misseen due to my lack of mindfulness. Not long ago, for example, I wasted what seemed like an hour or so looking for something. I had used up a box of clear plastic food wrap, and although I looked in the cupboard for another box that I was certain was in the middle shelf, I didn't see it there on top of the canned food where I had put it. I even stood on the two-step ladder that I keep in the kitchen and use when I can't reach things on the upper shelves. I looked on all three shelves but did not see the box, which can easily be seen. A bright yellow box with large, bold, bright red and white letters reads glad cling wrap. I glanced across the tops of the canned food again and again, seeing no yellow box. Disappointed, I made a mental note and told mentioned to my husband to buy another box of Glad when we go shopping in two days. A few minutes later, he said, I found the box behind some canned food in the cupboard. (sighs) With mixed emotion, glad we had the Glad in the cupboard, but sad and mad that I did not see what was there because I had forgotten it was behind some cans there where I had put it. If I had just looked more deeply in the back part of the cupboard, I would have seen the glad. Looking for things, whether a misspelled word, a number, or something, can take up precious time, cause stress, be embarrassing, or life-threatening. In order to minimize minimize wasting time looking for things, for those lost items, I continue to work on practicing mindfulness in my actions, being in the moment so that I can remember where I put things. I can make life more pleasant, not only for myself, but also for my husband, who has to listen to my grumbling when I can't find something. A few weeks ago, I discovered a two-year-old Dare You Are Buddha who paid me a visit one day. While I played with him in my living room, he lost sight of me, but ungrumblingly, as though hunting for a lost toy, turned around, seeing me, cheerfully said, Oh, there you are. And we continued racing our matchbox cars down our sloped baking pan racetrack. Looking for things, as experienced in my lifetime, is part of daily life. I can choose to make it stressful or enjoyable. 
The worst part of looking is never finding the lost item. But the best part is looking for things and discovering something new. New plants, precious stones, stars or galaxies, friends, adventures. There you are, Buddha, has shown me how to deal with looking for things. Calmly and cheerfully, with a beginner's mind, like a two-year-old child. Well, now where's that can of end dust? There you are, Buddha. Please show me the way. Thank you for listening, Joshua. Thank you very much. You know, as I listen, this is such a common thing, and especially when we get older, too, and somebody's, oh, I got a senior moment, and yeah, I joined the club, and you know, it's not going to get any any better. <laughs> and we have to, I think, nature, uh, as well as the Dharma, um, sort of compensates us uh, when we do get older and certain functions, uh, you know, uh, get weaker and it gives us, keeps us young at heart and hopefully a sense of humor to deal with these, to to accept them and use them in a positive way. I thought that's the most crucial thing about the Dharma and about the Buddhist philosophy in general that's really needed for a contented life. That has been able to not only just tolerate or accept our limitations, but having a healthy uh, attitude about them. Um, and this is why, you know, um, whenever someone has a, well, misfortune, or maybe, or just gets sick, or or even has a, uh, you know, a health problem, or an accident, or something uh, not good happening, and to commiserate, I said, whoa. I remember one lady, she said, oh, I, I have a cast on my leg. I, I broke my leg going down the stairs. And I said, oh, the broken leg Buddha paid you a visit. She said, yeah, I needed to slow down, pay attention when I'm going down the stairs and so forth. But when someone was sick, I said, oh, the flu Buddha paid you a visit. Well, I'm telling you. You know, when you're sick, you got to be sick. You know, don't say, oh, man, I got so much to do. You know, you, know, you don't fight it. Okay, make it worse in a sense. So that's why we need to be talking about there you are, you know. It's spelled D-E-R and then capital U-R. Okay, there you are, that in quotes. But there you are, Buddha. Okay, as <laughs> a Buddha, can pay your visit and say, See, you didn't pay attention where you parked your car. And uh, maybe you have to write it down when you park and then before you go in a store or you go into the, uh, in the airport parking lot or something like that. That's a terrible thing, you know. Um, you can't remember where you park your car. Of course, if you have a person in the family, they'll say, hey, get that, get that, uh, <laughs> technology that okay, will lead you, you know, you could you could find your car easily with this gizmo. So 
I think this is a thing that uh, the focus, the attention, the awareness, and even the okayness without when you can't find things or, or even when yourself, when you get lost or, you know, you didn't lose your, where you knew where your car was parked, but sometimes you yourself get lost and you're wandering around, kind of mess up like this. I think having the perspective uh, of a light and easy manner in, in which you know, even when you get frustrated, it's not, I think there's layers or uh, degrees of frustration. I mean, we can't help not get frustrated with these things, okay? but we have to laugh at ourselves for our you know, deteriorating memory or lack of mindfulness, okay? But sometimes even when we really, you know, are aware and focused and we say, okay, I'm going to remember this. And and um, you have to learn. Um, maybe, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, you won't do that unless you write it down or then you might find, might not be able to find out where you wrote that thing down. Okay, all kinds of things could happen. So I think that there's a, you know, Dharma lesson in any little thing in everyday life. That's sort of the under underlying broader context, I guess, in a lot of these very nitty-gritty real-life Dharma glimpses, you know. And I want to close with a joke that... Uh, uh, well, it goes like this. Um, somebody asked uh, an elderly lady, do you believe in the hereafter? And uh, the person, the lady said, oh, yes, I do, yes, I do. Because quite often when I'm looking for something, I go into from one room to another room, and I say to myself, now what did I come here after? I know some some of you listeners, I'm glad you're on mute, otherwise I'd get all these groans. And uh, it reminds me of uh, Reverend Dr. Ken Tanaka. He and I always, he really loves Buddhist humor. And he has all these groaners, you know. And he said he was going to, this is, a couple of decades ago, and he said he's going to write a book on Buddhist humor and so forth, but we always have a good time when we get together. But whenever I hear the groaners, I always think of my my colleague, Ken Tanaka. Well, okay. That's all for today's broadcast. Keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you. <laughs>